Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Thrive with Asbury Seminary podcast. I'm your host, Heidi E. Wilcox, bringing you conversations with authors, thought leaders, and people just like you who are looking to connect where your passion meets the world's deep need. Today on the podcast, I had the privilege of talking to Dr. Winfield Bevins, director of the Church Planting Initiative at Asbury Seminary. Dr. Bevins recently released a book in December of this month called A Living Room Liturgy, a book of worship for the home. This book is just that, a compilation of guided prayers, scripture readings, and prompts for reflection that Bevins has written to help the individual and family unit alike worship in the everyday moments of life that occur at home. And a lot of us are still at home right now, so it gives families a chance to gather in prayer for events ordinary and extraordinary. Let's listen. So Winfield, I am super excited to have you on the Thrive with Asbury Seminary podcast today to talk about your new book, Living Room Liturgy, that released earlier this month. So thanks for being on the podcast today. Hey, it's great to be here with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, sure thing. So I want to, I'm really excited about your book. I read through it a little bit of preview copy and it's just beautiful and lovely and i just feel like everything we need especially at this time that we're living in right now but i wanted to know what liturgy is yeah what is liturgy that's that's the million dollar question isn't it? <laughs> you know yeah um, yeah i you know what i try to do and i've done this with several pieces that i've written is to make liturgy accessible and to help people kind of get beyond the stereotype that liturgy is something that happens in some crystal cathedral somewhere that's disconnected from real life. Um, basically the word liturgy just means work of the people. And um, it, it's historically a way that we worship in common and together. And I think liturgy belongs in everyday life. And that's what I'm trying to do in this book is to just give people language and prayers for different seasons different occasions, um, highs, lows of life. Um, I think one of the things we've lost, in, especially in the Western culture, is um, language to celebrate, um, you know, the highs, um, you know, to celebrate key events of life, but also language to even be able to speak in difficult seasons, you know, like pandemics and, mm -hmm. um, you, know, you know, struggles of depression and, and so I've got just a wide range of prayers and liturgies that people can pray on their own or whether with a family or a couple or even with kids. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like for me, liturgy, I love it because it helps. It gives me words when I don't have words anymore mm. or don't know what to say. So I really appreciate appreciate that. What inspired you to write Living Room Liturgy? Yeah, I mean, honestly, the you know the past few years, um, I've just I've been doing a lot of work in the area of just trying to take um, you know some of these rich historic prayers of the church and um, make them accessible to people that maybe aren't you know don't come from a traditional background. I certainly didn't. And, <laughs> yeah, me neither. Yeah, and and so at first you get past the stereotype that hey, this is some somehow you know. <laughs> Uh, I, can I do this? Can I pray these prayers? Can I pray this way? Is it okay? And, you know, my thing is yes. And 
Um, I think there's a real gift in, in these prayers in that they kind of empower us. They give us language when we don't have language. They help us pray when we don't feel like praying. And um, to be honest, um, this had been a project I'd had in my heart for a long time. And um, when the whole COVID thing started, um, you know, I started kind of taking the project more serious and it just took off. I mean, it was like the Lord really gave me energy and I really felt like God anointed me. Um, I, I wrote the book in my closet at home, literally. Wow, your literal closet? <laughs> yeah, maybe it should be called closet liturgy, but, um, <laughs> and yeah, so, I mean, it started it in March and just really felt inspired to do this and it just came together, just flowed. And, yeah. um, yeah, the, so did you write all the prayers in the book or how did those come about? Yeah, a lot of the, you know, some of the prayers are prayers that I've written. Some of them, my wife and I have written together. Um, a lot of the prayers are adapted from the Book of Common Prayer, um, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it's a, you know, it's a prayer book um, that has been around for a long time. There's various versions of that and they're open source prayers. So anyone can take them and use them and but, but there's a richness in, in a written prayer tradition that, again, gives us language and frameworks for prayer sometimes when we don't have it. And um, so, yeah, it just kind of started. I felt inspired because of the whole pandemic. And, you know, again, it just kind of came together. And I got feedback from, you know, key leaders and, uh, you know, I'd sent it to some friends that were professors of worship, you know, just kind of get their eyes on it. And it just, yeah, it just kind of came together and it's exciting. I've sent it to friends around the world and there's been people that have, you know, used it um, in different contexts. And so that's been exciting as well. Yeah. And it would make a great Christmas present for people as they think about starting the new year as well. So, because it's lovely. One of the things I noticed in in the prayers that you wrote is that each reading included the Lord's prayer. Why did you choose to include that particular prayer so many times? Well, the Lord's prayer is kind of the family prayer. Um, yeah. People pray that prayer all around the world that, you know, Jesus gave it to his disciples, which in turn have passed it on to us. And I think for those that are trying to understand and get into liturgy, um, the Lord's prayer is kind of, I think a natural entry point. And mm-hmm. the other thing with liturgy is uh, there's power in repetition. And I think having some keys like the Lord's prayer that we pray each time, like traditional liturgy, the Lord's prayer will always be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's regardless of what the themes or prayers are or scriptures are for that week, you know, that, um, you know, there's a power in kind of memorizing the Lord's prayer and being able to pray that from heart. And so that's one of the things. One is I think historic continuity. Um, The Lord's prayer is a part of your kind of historic liturgies. And Uh so I wanted to kind of have that. um, Whereas a lot of what I've done is very contemporary that I felt like gave the liturgies in the book, some continuity with Uh some of the more historical forms of liturgy. Yeah, for sure. So Living Room Liturgy contains liturgies for everything from a new pet, a wedding anniversary, to others that talk about lament and social distress. What were some of your favorite liturgies in this book, and why do you particularly like those? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, you know, one thing I selfishly wrote this book for our, our own family. Some of the liturgies are stuff like each year, like during Advent, like, you know, I'd be pulling together stuff for, you know, lighting the Advent wreath, you know, and so I just kind of put the stuff that we did. And so that's the neat thing is a lot of these prayers are lived liturgies and prayers as well. Like we, you know, we practice them and use them in the home. Um, one that was really powerful for me that I didn't realize at the time of, of writing it, but um, my mother passed away um, mm. just a few months ago. And I'm sorry, Winfield. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about a tough time to lose um, a loved one. And, um, you know, I was, I presided over a funeral and um, because of the pandemic, uh, I, I didn't, my family didn't go with me. And uh-huh. um, we, you know, a couple days later, I'd come home and, you know, I brought some roses and we just had our own memorial service here in the home. And we put out pictures and we put out roses and candles and we used that liturgy. Um, and it was in some ways um, even more personal and more powerful than um, actually going to the, because it allowed us to kind of do it in the home. We went around and each of us kind of shared about, you know, memories of grandmother. And yeah. uh, and so that was a neat, I don't know, neat's not the right word, but but it, just a yeah. real special, one special. Yeah. I, I dedicated beautiful. to her yeah. as well. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that is, that is beautiful, Winfield. What are some of the other ways that your family incorporates liturgy into y'all's daily life? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I like the idea of space and uh, one of the things I talk about in the introduction um, is the idea of liturgy in the home. A lot of times we think of liturgy and worship as what happens again, when we quote, go to church. Well, mm-hmm. most of us aren't going to church right now. Right. <laughs> right. And so, again, the idea of of having a liturgy and having prayers to be able to pray in the home is so important. I think we're reminded in all of this that the church is domestic at in its very foundation. And, um, you know, for us, um, the kind of kind of regaining a sense of the holiness of God in the ordinary spaces of our life. Um, ordinary hours of the day and kind of taken like for instance the dinner table for us our Mm -hmm. our table is kind of like our home altar you know it's where we gather for every Mm -hmm. meal and you know when it's dinner time people aren't eating meals in different rooms we all gather around the table and so that has been a natural place of worship and prayer and conversations about god for us and so Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that, you know, whether it's, you know, it's not so much our living room as much as maybe our dining room is yeah. for us. Yeah. And I think that's the point of the book, too, is like these prayers and liturgies, you can do them anywhere, you know, and, and just it's kind of a book that you can just take with you and just yeah. worship on the go. Yeah. Which, yeah, which I like that. And it, you can use it if you're an individual person or a couple or with your family and just... I really like what you said about discovering the the holy places in the ordinary and how liturgy helps us do that. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so sometimes you kind of mentioned this earlier, liturgy is sometimes thought of as an outdated tradition, a holdover from the early church. Why would you argue that liturgy is still as relevant today as it was when the church first began? Yeah, I think what we've done in, again, in the West, I mean, there's a whole history of how we got to this point, but we've reduced Christianity to, you know, a, a good sermon and, you know, a polished, you know, worship music that sounds like a band. And um, when we look at the majority of church history um, and we look at how Christians have been formed throughout the ages, liturgy has been one of it. It actually, it's it's kind of, I, I call, liturgy is kind of like theology in motion. You know, it's kind of, it brings theology into the worship. It, it, there's a discipling aspect to liturgy. The words, it's almost like a redeeming of the words that we speak and what we say. And mm -hmm. um, now I'm all for spontaneous, you know, I've, I've told you in a previous interview, you know, I'm a charismatic with a seatbelt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So I'll, I'll uh, raise my hands and get happy clappy with the best of them. Um, but oftentimes by focusing on kind of just mere kind of outward and kind of more feeling driven, me centered worship, um, the, what the liturgy does is it, it, the words and the prayers and the scriptures, it really, rather than it being me centered, it's very God centered, um, if that makes sense. Mm hmm and it really helps keep the focus. Um, liturgy has a theme. There's a telos. There's an aim. There's a goal. And um, the other thing that I think is helpful with liturgy is it's not a show. It's not just one person. But liturgy, again, is designed to involve everyone. We pray these prayers together. Um, and so, again, it's not an either or. I believe in spontaneous praying and, you know, the, this forms of worship and prayer. Yeah, for sure. Um, but we're oftentimes missing, you know, deeper, um, you know, elements of prayer and worship by not being liturgical. And so I don't see it as an either or. I see it as a both and. And so, mm -hmm. for, you know, I would commend the book to people who are in liturgical churches, but I commend the book to, you know, maybe someone who's evangelical or charismatic or more free church background that you can find a richness and a renewal in, in digging into these, these rich prayers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. How do you envision families or groups or even individuals using the book? Yeah, I think, you know, um, someone can use it by themselves, you know, um, even though it has the idea of home and family, um, you know, I think you can just simply pray the prayers where, you know, where there are like responses. You don't have to do those. But again, there's scriptures and there's prayers that you can pray. Um, what I think will be helpful is, you know, families or couples, you know, can can break out the book and use it for special occasions. Again, like for a birthday, for celebration of friendship. You know, I'm thinking of some of the different prayers that are in there. Again, difficult seasons, layment. Uh -huh. Um Seasons of the Christian year, uh, oftentimes we just don't have a repertoire for that. And mm -hmm. so it gives, it, and it makes things special. It kind of makes a, a moment special. So like for grad, there's like a little liturgy for graduation. So if you have a loved one who's graduating, you can break out the book 
you can open it up and you can kind of pray, pray a special prayer, kind of celebrating that moment. Mm-hmm. And again, what's beautiful is you can do it in your backyard. You can do it in your living room, couch, the dinner table, um, really sky's the limits. Um, yeah. Especially right now, we're all kind of realizing that even though we can't go to church or some of us, you know, depending on the size of our church and everything, like we can still do that in our homes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's the heart behind it. And I think that just the timing of it is we need to empower the body of Christ to be able to pray. And we are the church. And, as, you know, I like going to church and I like worshiping and large gathering as much as anyone else. But I think we're all reminded in this moment that church is not a building. It's not a steeple. Mm-hmm. It's the people. Um, and we are the people. And church, the early church viewed homes as the domestic, um, you know, the small church, the little church was a term that was used often. And um, and so I think rediscovering that we are the church and, um, and that we can worship, whether we're gathered corporately with a lot of other people or whether it's just, what is the minimal? Two or three are gathered in my name. They're mm-hmm. all be there in the midst. And this gives some prayers and, um, and it's not the only thing. I just see it as, a, as an additional resource to equip people to be able to, to worship and pray together um, in the home and the more intimate spaces. Small groups can use it. I could see, um, you know, small groups or, or bands or discipleship groups using it on Zoom calls. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of ways that it can be used. Yeah. And even if you're um, by yourself, one of the things that you mentioned about liturgy is that it joins us with the prayers of the saints. And so we are in a community, even, even if we're by ourselves right now. Absolutely. And uh, honestly, a lot of these prayers, I, as I was writing them and using them, it just kind of flowed out of just, you know, that just a one-on-one with the Lord. So it can totally be used whether, and I think that's the thing I, I do mention that in the introduction, whatever home is for you, maybe you're a college student and you're in a dorm room. Um, you can use these prayers, you know, um, these give you language for the different seasons of life, the highs and the lows. And again, I was very intentional to include prayers for difficult seasons and difficult times, because oftentimes Christians don't, we don't have a framework or a language yeah. for that. Yeah. How do, how do both, because you do, like in your book, you have uh, liturgies that celebrate, you know, happy occasions like marriage or a baptism. But you also off- have prayers that help us pray through difficult seasons like death or a loved one or ourselves battling addiction. Why do we need both forms of prayer? And how did these, each type of prayer add to our spiritual practice? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the reality is... Um you know, we don't live on the mountaintop. Life's lived in the valleys. And yeah, I wish it was, Winfield. I really do. Yeah. And, you know, and even the framework of the book, there's, you know, there's prayers for kind of morning and evening prayer. There's prayers for ordinary life. There's prayers for special occasions. Um, again, like confirmation or a birthday. But then there are these prayers for difficult seasons, spiritual warfare, overcoming fear, um, mm-hmm. you know, mourning for those who mourn, um, for healing or 
uh, social conflict, you know, I mean, my gosh, you know, we've so many of these, right. It encompasses all of 2020. It's yeah. This, this whole say there's like 20 prayers in here that are like 2020, um, you know, prayers for times of trouble, prayers for the downcast, um, you know, and the, I think that's the thing is I think liturgy reminds us of the realities of the Christian mm-hmm. faith. It's so easy just to focus on, again, the, the highs without forgetting that God's with us in the valleys mm-hmm. as well. And I think that's the beauty of the book of Psalms. Um, you know, the, there are these Psalms of layman. There are these Psalms of, of, of celebration and worship, but there's also Psalms to go through the valley of the shadow of death and, and there are days that, I mean, my gosh, we've all been through all, you know, highs and lows over the last few months. And sometimes we just don't have prayers. Um, and, and that's where I hope my hope and prayer for this is that this, this helps give people language for what they're experiencing in whatever mm-hmm. season of life they find themselves. Yeah. So toward the beginning of our conversation, you mentioned that you wrote um, a lot of living room liturgy in the closet in your house. (laughs) Um, So, and a lot of it came about during, like since March, since the pandemic started. So what, what did you learn about God during the the writing process for you? I guess I'm kind of thinking like, what did, what do you know about God now that you didn't know about him before you started writing the book? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, yeah, I think the richness of being a Christian is, again, God's with us in the diversity of the seasons of life. And um, again, he's with us in the highs and the lows. And, um, you know, it's easy to praise him on the mountaintop. (laughs) Um, Yeah. um, Yeah. And, you know, again, what has drawn me to the liturgy and to you know, traditional prayers and more, you know, written prayers is again, there, there's a richness, I think there's a depth that oftentimes is missing when we're just focused on praying, however we feel in the moment. Mm. And, um, and so, and I think we also miss God in that, in that we don't, because we don't celebrate God for the, you know, you know, to have a liturgy for times of trouble reminds you to turn to God in times of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, to have a liturgy for for those who mourn um, reminds you that it's okay to name and turn to God um, with your mourning and your loss. And um, it's it's helped me in that way. And I think that's my prayer that it would help others. You know, as mm-hmm. they struggle. Um, with various things. And that that's where, to be honest, um, had we not, had I personally not gone through what I had gone through um, this year, I probably would not have leaned as heavily into the prayers and liturgies for difficult seasons as, mm. you know, there probably been a, would have been one or two, but as I got into it, I just kept pressing into it, you know, and, and thinking, wow, there should be a liturgy for the loss of a loved one. You know, there should be a liturgy for laymen. There should be a liturgy for, um, uh, you know, social conflict. Well, we're, we've experienced our share of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Why? Because you said that this book had been kind of 
circling around you. You kind of had the idea for a while. Why was why was now the right time? Because I mean, now that it's coming out or it's already out now, but you know, now that it's came out in December, I mean, it is obviously the perfect book for this season. Why was, why was now the right time for you to write that? Well, again, I, you know, I believe in the providence of God. (laughs) Um, And I, you know, I've done some smaller books around like morning and evening prayer and some things like that. And you know, for me was the timing again, just, it was just the right time, you know? Yeah. And I had the space, um, I had the energy and, you know, for me as a writer, I mean, that, that's kind of a whole nother conversation. But <laughs> yeah. We, we, we write out of what we have a passion for and I just felt a burden. Um, some of it was my own personal, you know, like, Hey, I've got some extra time. I'm stuck in my closet. I'm working, <laughs> you know, and, you know, rather than, you know, eating a, you know, a bunch of ice cream and vegging out and watching Netflix. I'm going to, there is a place for that. I'll be honest. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, there's, there should be a liturgy for that. And, but, yes. um, you know, for me, I just, I just did a deep dive and just kind of went in the writing cave, if you will. And, um, it's kind of what, what I came out with. And, um, you know, there's a liturgy for mission, spiritual renewal. Um, I, I stuck in some little liturgies in there on on the earth and, you know, mm-hmm. a liturgy for the garden. You know, I encourage people, you know, get outside, find God outside as well. Um, you know, in a season yeah. where we're kind of, you know, everyone's kind of sheltered in place, like whether it's just getting outside at night and looking at the moon you know, and yeah. or looking at the stars, even if you don't have a big backyard, um, go for walks. Um, and, and so again, these little prayers and words can be used in different places. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah. Um, liturgy definitely helps us slow down and celebrate the different seasons and even just the different moments of our every day. And you'll have to help me with my next question. Cause I'm not super familiar with the church calendar. I should be, but, um, Advent, you know, has, there's a lot of liturgy if your church or you're doing an Advent wreath in your home. And then we kind of switch to ordinary time. I'm not exactly sure when that happens, Winfield. So if you could help me with that, that would be great. Yeah. I kind of think of your big seasons are Advent leading up to Christmas. Um, Then you have Epiphany, which is kind of this short season of of like, that's where you're kind of you're following the wise men, you know, as they're going to find Jesus. It's mm-hmm. kind of looking for signs and stars. Advent's a, I mean, what a time for Advent. It's a season of watching and waiting and looking for yeah. the Lord's coming. And um, and then the other big season's Lent, which is just this 40-day period leading up into Easter, Holy Week. And it just really prepares you for the resurrection. You know, you kind of follow Jesus to the cross and so the, the seasons really add richness and meaning. Um, then you have Pentecost. You go into Pentecost, which, hallelujah, the Holy Spirit comes. You know, <laughs> yeah. Get, yeah. Get, your, get your, you know, Holy Spirit fix on. And, you know, the Spirit comes upon the church. The colors are red, you know, and mm-hmm. each, each season has colors and meaning. And ordinary time kind of coming out of that is really kind of, I think in terms of like summer going into falls, kind of just okay. ordinary time. And 
So a church that kind of loosely follows the church calendar, that's kind of a time of the year that they can preach on whatever or, you know, talk about other things, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's um, so that's kind of I may or may not have answered your question, but no, you're good. And so in in the book, you know, there's a section for holy days and holidays, um, you know, that people can kind of pray that will help them sell, you know, it'll help you celebrate those different seasons, whether you're by yourself or as a family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As we start, because um, your podcast is releasing on December 22nd. So as we kind of will be right on the cusp of Christmas, and then we'll be getting, looking forward to starting a new year. What are some ways that we can start incorporating liturgy into our daily lives, whether we're an individual, a couple, or a a family with kids. In a lot of what I do, I, I just encourage people to begin to practice morning and evening prayer. And these are just mm-hmm. carving out, you know, the historic church, there are key times, and you see this in the Old Testament. There, are, you know, I pray seven times a day, you know, the psalmist says. And, mm-hmm. and essentially, you could boil down these hours of prayer to morning and evening prayer. And these are kind of anchors for your day. You begin and end the day in prayer. I mean, you could pray throughout the day, as Paul says, um, but these are more formal times where you can say, you know what, when I first get up, I'm going to carve out, I'm going to read the scriptures, hear some prayers. So there's a morning and evening prayer at the beginning of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, again, as you look, as you experience different occasions in life, you can open up the book and be like, I wonder if there's a liturgy for this. And chances are there's going to be a lot of stuff in there for you, you know, for graduation, the celebration of a friendship to, you know, there's a liturgy for the garden, which that, that also hit me as I was writing it, it was spring, you know, and Mm -hmm. again, we're we're working from home and, you know, my wife and I were planting a garden and, you know, growing tomato plants. And I was like, I should, you know what this, so a lot of the stuff that's in there was things that I personally uh, had experienced or had thought through like, wow, we should have a liturgy for this, you know? Yeah. Um, so that, what does it, go ahead. I'm sorry. What does it like, why does it matter if we pray while we're gardening or starting school or, you know, things that we just kind of do every day? Well, again, we take these moments for granted and Mm -hmm. it's, we've created in the West a false bifurcation between the secular and the sacred. Mm. So, hey, we're just going to ship our kids off to school. And um, no, that th- these are celebratory moments. And the ancients, I mean, I say the ancients, I mean, honestly, up until not too long ago, people had rituals for key moments in life. You know, you think mm. of the Jewish people who have bar mitzvahs, like for coming of age. And a lot of us, because of the rootlessness um, in kind of Western culture, we don't have rituals anymore. And w- what I mean by that is we don't have prayers to celebrate the events of life. Mm-hmm. And even celebrating someone's death is a, is there's a passing of life and, and we need language. Part of a ritual is there there's language. there's um, to be able to celebrate and to remember, you know, we have to have language. And that, that's, again, for me, why I think this matters. Um, mm-hmm. and, and again, you can take these and 
Maybe it's just the scriptures that you find helpful. You Maybe you pray the little pr- written prayer and then you add your own prayer. Or huh. um, there's a pause for a devotional thought, you know, um, that if you, you know, you can kind of pause and reflect. If you're with a group, you can actually, you know, share a little devotional moment if you want. Um, you know, take take these and make them your own, I think is what I would say. is, is Yeah. Don't think of this as like some stuffy, dry story you know, you have to follow this. It's not a straight jacket. Liturgy is not a straight jacket. <laughs> as I like right. to say is it, it gives us a, it gives us a structure for the spirit to move in our lives in, in a different type of way. Yeah. Just kind of creates that space that we can be still and communicate with God and listen to what he may be telling us as well. Exactly. Well yeah. said. <laughs> Um, what would you say is the relation? Cause we've kind of been dancing all around my next question. So what is the relationship between liturgy and kind of the worship aspect? Because it is worship, um, and discipleship. Yeah, I think worship that's, that's again, I, I keep saying that these are the problems. Um, I think worship is discipleship and how we worship disciples us, whether we realize it or not. And if the worship songs are all about me, then what is we're, we're just it's a it's a cultural form of worship. And I think um, this is why I think written prayers can be helpful. Things like the Lord's Prayer, where um, the, these words that we say they form us. What we speak, um, what mm-hmm. we repeat, the habits, the daily habits of our lives. These are rich, you know, I use the term ritual in, in the sense of what we do regularly disciples mm-hmm. us. Yeah. Um, and so the words that we speak is are a part of our discipleship. And so that's why one of the things I like about a liturgical service um, is, again, you, you mentioned the Lord's Prayer earlier. Mm-hmm. Any, any liturgical service that you go into anywhere in the world will have the Lord's prayer and Mm. there will be a moment in the service, whether it's another language or not, you can identify that the Lord's prayer is being prayed and you can join in, in your own language. That's pretty powerful. If you think about it. Um, And then the same way, many of these prayers um, or the frameworks, for instance, the Lord's prayer, let's say that Mm -hmm. Christians have been saying that since the time of Christ. That's significant uh, mm-hmm. to say this is this is this is the family prayer. This is a prayer that Christians have prayed since the very beginning. That's a I think just a beautiful reality. And that's another reason I like, for instance, the Apostles' Creed. Mm-hmm. It's one of the shortest historic, most ancient statements of the Christian faith. So when we affirm that, we are standing with Christians throughout the ages who have affirmed that same affirmation of faith. And so I think that's significant that that's something we've lost in our culture, this, this continuity of being connected with the larger body of Christ and the historic body of Christ. Christianity, you know, a lot of times we just say, oh, if we can just get back to Jesus and go back 2,000 years. Well, there's been 2,000 years of church history. Some of it's <laughs> been bad. I'll admit that. However, uh, we're believers today because somebody passed the faith on to us and um, nobody comes to faith in a vacuum. And so that's where 
I think these prayers remind us that we belong to the mm-hmm. larger body of Christ. Yeah. And especially right now, um, we need all the connection, belonging, and hope yes. that we can get. So Amen I just, that. yeah, 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 Winfield. Um, so before we wrap up the interview, is there anything else that you would like to talk about that I didn't know to ask already? No, I think that's good. I think I'm, you know, my hopes are for the book is that this will help people bring prayer into their home and the ordinary spaces of their life, um, whether they're mm-hmm. single, whether they're married, whether they're, you know, kids or grandkids. Um, I really think this is applicable really for everyone. And yeah. my open prayer for the book is that it'll just help people worship and celebrate God in the ordinary moments of their lives and the ordinary places um, that will help homes become a place of worship where God is glorified and God becomes more real. Winfield, it, it, it is a beautiful book. And one thing that I really enjoyed as I kind of read through it to prepare for this interview is, like I said, it gives words when I don't always have the words and I would assume that other people don't always have the words, but it also kind of helps keep me focused, which is something that I also struggle with when I pray. So I really appreciate you giving this gift, not just to me, but to all of us. And so we'll be sure to link it out in the show notes so that people can grab a copy for their ordinary or extraordinary moments in 2021. Amen. Thank you, Heidi. Thanks for having me. No problem. And so we have one question that we ask everybody before we before we wrap up the show. So because it's called the Thrive with Asbury Seminary podcast, what is one practice that is helping you thrive in your life right now? One of the things I would just, you know, alluded to it earlier, um, just get outside and walk, you know. Um, you know, earlier today I was, oh man, you know, the last few days I've been like, oh, you know, I'm getting cabin fever. I'm, you know, yeah. getting a little stressed out. And I just I drove up to Shaker Village and just did a quick walk around. There's a little beautiful pond up there. It's about a 15 minute drive. And I wasn't there 30 minutes. And just the clarity and just, it just, just did wonders for the soul. And so I think um, just getting outside, walking, um, you know, like I said, like last night, um, my daughter and I, Annabelle, you know, she, she's got this new camera she's working with, you know, there's a beautiful full moon and she was out there taking pictures and was able to capture these beautiful pictures. And you can see the kind of the crevices in the moon. And I think it's so many people, um, miss again, back to that idea of just these ordinary, like get out and look at the stars at night. Mm-hmm. Um, this morning I got up at seven and we looked on our back porch and the sunrise was absolutely incredible the sky was just a beautiful shade of like orange and pink and um i think of how many people never look up to Mm -hmm. see the stars or the skies and um to just see god in nature and around them and i think that's one of the greatest gifts um that's so often overlooked and there's a couple of the prayers in the book that actually remind us of that, you know, celebrating creation, celebrating a garden. Um, so get outside, yeah. get some fresh yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Even when it's cold, bundle up. Bundle yeah. up and do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely worth it. Well, thanks so much, Winfield. I really enjoyed our conversation as always and appreciate you being part of the podcast. 
Amen. Thanks so much, Heidi. Have a wonderful day. You too. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me for today's Thrive with Asbury Seminary podcast with Dr. Winfield Bevins. His book, Living Room Liturgy, really is a gift to all of us, especially during this pandemic and Christmas season. It allows us to find holy moments in the ordinary, and they're always there, but it gives us space to actually see these moments. It also provides us with a sense of connection, hope, and belonging. So be sure to grab a copy. We'll link it out in the show notes. So be sure to grab a copy for yourself, make a good gift for your friends or your family. And I just hope that it provides a sense of hope to you as you read through the liturgy in the coming days. So as always, you can follow us in all the places on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at at Asbury Seminary. From all of us on the Thrive with Asbury Seminary podcast team, we wish you and your families a very Merry Christmas and pray that the presence of Emmanuel dwells in you richly this Christmas season and in the year ahead. Thank you so much for letting us be part of your lives and what you listen to. We don't take that for granted and we just, we couldn't do this podcast without you and we appreciate you all so very much. So until next time, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year.